Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in, Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us, and boy, IU football we knew would be uh, in a tough spot this uh, past weekend. We knew it would be a tough game. Uh, I did not think it was likely that Indiana challenged Ohio State in the uh, big home sellout. Uh, Of course, weather was a little uh, questionable, some rain coming down, and boy, the crowd dissipated pretty quickly in that ball game. But uh, Indiana got blown out from start to finish, basically. I guess you got to give credit early on. They did bounce back after trailing 7 nothing and tie it up. But from that point, it was all downhill, and maybe the wheels did fall off for Indiana, even though it is a very, very good Ohio State team, a national championship contender Ohio State team after their early slip up to Oregon. But IU football is not in a good place, and I think the one of the stories I read over the weekend, IU football was humbled on Saturday in a season that has been very humbling so far. So we'll talk about IU football, but boy, the momentum around Tom Allen's program, it is really coming to a standstill, and the hope for this team to go to a bowl game is, is maybe mathematically possible, but that's just about over with. I believe as well. So uh, IU football in a tough spot, and it's just so, I think, for fans, so heartbreaking to think back uh, just the week before the season and all of the excitement that was there from local people to national uh, college football people. I mean, Tom Allen was one of the hottest coaches of the offseason because of the Hoosiers' success a year ago and what maybe they were expected to do this year. And uh, things have went from uh, from good to bad to even worse in Bloomington, and we'll see how Indiana is able to close out this season in the coming weeks. There's still a lot of football to be played, uh, but boy, with Michigan still on the schedule, and I know there are some winnable games coming up, but you wonder uh, what's going on. IU playing a fifth-string quarterback over the weekend because of injuries and just I don't know, tough spot for IU football, but we'll try to break some of it down today a little bit later in the program. Let's get into the show lineup today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we've got our Zaxby's headlines coming up here in just a moment. A summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. Also, later in the program, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. He joins the show coming up to talk IU football. And I'm sure that because football is waning and basketball season is inching closer and closer, that we will uh, we will have some basketball with Zach today when he joins us as well. And then later in the show, uh, one of the local fall sports teams having a lot of success and headed back to a state championship game is Providence Boys Soccer. And Jake Stingle, the coach of the Pioneers, is going to join us to talk about his team's semi-state victory on Saturday 
and what's up next for Providence if they're going to play in a Friday night state championship game. Some more on that coming up a little bit later in the show with Coach Stingle. That's the show lineup, a service with Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, a reminder right out of the gate this week, the Thornton's text line. It's always open here on the Hoosier Report. You can send in your questions or comments for the show. Maybe it's a question for a guest we have on today. Maybe it's just a comment about this dismal IU football program, or maybe it's your excitement about Mike Woodson and the Indiana Hoosiers. You can send a text to 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. And don't forget, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all of the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts as well. Let's get into our Zaxby's headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. I really don't even want to talk any more football in this segment. It is so disheartening to talk about the performance over the weekend. There are some things we'll get to with Zach Osterman a little bit later in the program. We'll check in on Jack Tuttle, what we know about his health Uh, We'll be hearing more today from Tom Allen on all of those subjects, I would believe. But some good news from a basketball standpoint, just before the start of the regular season or the preseason, whatever you want to call the period we're in right now, IU basketball uh, landed its first recruit in the 2023 class Friday, Ja'Kai Newton from down in Georgia. He plays at Newton High School in Covington, Georgia. He took an official visit to Bloomington uh, back a week and a half or so ago. And on Friday afternoon, he committed to the Hoosiers, picking IU over serious contenders, Georgia and Vanderbilt. But he had scholarship offers from a lot of schools, Alabama, Auburn, Cincinnati, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Ole Miss, and Xavier had also uh, answered questions to him as well, or offered scholarships, excuse me, to him as well. So Indiana with a good pickup here in the 2023 class by all accounts. And it sounds like, uh, based on what we're hearing, that Newton uh, is a legitimate Big Ten caliber prospect and that Indiana has scored a good early commitment in the 2023 class. Now we'll see what's next. And, of course, uh, recruiting-wise, coming up November 1, we find out what Noah Clowney does. He's in 2022. He's a senior. That would conclude, I would think, I use 2022 recruiting class when his decision is made one way or the other. But 2023 really just getting underway. Xavier Booker was on campus a few weeks ago. IU involved in all sorts of prospects in that class. And so we will find out uh, soon, I think, uh, what uh, what happens next. When And soon will be Noah Clowney and his de- decision coming up on November 1st. Also, IU uh, with a scholarship offer uh, over the weekend, the Hoosiers offering a player out of Maryland. His name is Connie Ruths, uh, I believe is how the pronunciation goes. And I mentioned this, he's in the 2024 class, so he's a sophomore this year in high school basketball. We've heard about IU offering freshmen recently. We've heard, obviously, about juniors, but not a lot of activity that I'm aware in in the 2024 class. But I, I mentioned this because he's from the D.C. metro area, the DMV area, as it's called, And that has been a good area in the past for IU under previous coaches. And Kenya Hunter has strong connections to that part of the country based on some of his past jobs and just his no uh, connections in in the sport of basketball. So uh, Connie Ruths from uh, the D.C. metro area, another player that IU is involved with, and he did receive a scholarship offer 
over the weekend. Just another name to add to the growing list of IU prospects uh, that are out there. Also, high school football-wise, there were some great games over the weekend. Floyd Central uh, rolls over Jeffersonville. They especially got it going in the second half, and the Highlanders advance to take on New Albany in what should be a good competitive game at New Albany on Friday night. The winner of that contest has a chance to win the 5A sectional. New Albany probably the favorite heading in, but the Highlanders uh, playing some good football at the right time of year, able to uh, get a revenge win on Jeff who clipped him, if you remember, in overtime uh, just a few weeks back in the regular season. But probably I think the highlight of the week as far as high school football goes locally is Clarksville. They were able to beat a Mitchell team on Friday night that had a very similar record to them, and it's the Generals' first postseason win in eight years, and that just tells you that Clarksville is slowly making a comeback in football. It all started a few years ago, finally getting a victory. Last year they picked up some key wins as well, and they've actually had a solid season this year. Robert Lamar led the Generals on Friday night, and that was probably the story of Friday night, the Generals getting a big postseason win for the first time in eight years. Also, high school sports-wise, other sports over the weekend, I had a chance to go to the Charlestown Volleyball Regional, did the PA there for Chad Gilbert uh, on Saturday. Really neat to be up, up close and personal and follow the action so very closely. Some great, great volleyball matchups there at Charlestown on Saturday. And Silver Creek got off to a slow start in the first set in their semifinal game that morning against Bar-Reeve, but was able to really get it going and win in three sets over the Vikings. They did the same thing against Greensburg on Saturday night, and Jeff Zimmerman's team is headed back to the semi-state. Silver Creek, the only local volleyball team in our area, still alive in the postseason. And as far as uh, soccer goes, I mentioned the Pioneers, uh, the boys' uh, soccer team at Providence. They were victorious over the weekend they defeated Cascade 4-0 in a Class A semi-state match on Saturday night. That game was down at Evansville Central, and it was actually played at Evansville, or at Evansville Central, but hosted by Evansville North. Providence number three in the state, 15-3-3 uh, is their record. They'll take on uh, number 16-ranked Westview, who is 16-5, and, and that's going to be a Friday night, 8 p.m. state championship game. And uh, so I think a good one. Providence, the favorite, uh, they are ranked number three, Westview number 16, but both teams with good records, and that should be a really good match to determine the state championship in Class A boys soccer. Providence heading back to the state championship for a second year in a row after winning the title last fall. Remember, in kind of a crazy pandemic season, Providence boys soccer was the highlight bringing the title back to Southern Indiana in the middle of what was a very, very crazy year for high school sports, and they'll look to do it again this weekend. Let's look at our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. We'll talk about IU's I don't know what you call it. It's, it's more than a blowout. It's a terrible loss for the Hoosiers in a bad way. IU at one point using a fifth-string walk-on quarterback as Ohio State blows their doors off uh, in front of some misty rain weather where that stadium went from full with a lot of Ohio State fans there to basically empty at the start of the second half. We'll break it down and get into some basketball. We'll get more positive with the college hoop season just around the corner. Zach Osterman is next. 
Providence boys soccer coach Jake Stingle still ahead. You're listening to a Monday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Monday program. The Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450. And Zach Osterman of the Indy Stars, my guest, to talk IU football. And then we'll get into some basketball and new commit in the 2023 class, Ja'Kai Newton. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a bit as well. Uh, Zach, I really don't know where to start with football on Saturday night. A dismal effort by Indiana. Ohio State is very good playing some great football it was just a bad matchup all the way around. Indiana gets uh, their doors blown off. They were not competitive at all outside of the opening minutes of the game, really. And I think we lost Zach Osterman. We'll see if we can reconnect with him. But Zach's going to join us here in just a moment on IU football and also IU basketball. And, again, we'll talk about Ja'Kai Newton. I know there's a lot of interest in his commitment as well. Zach, uh, IU football, really not competitive. I think you're back with us now uh, outside of the opening minutes of the ball game. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really any way to um, – I don't think there are really many positives to take from that game. You know, it it, it was kind of an injury and insult sort of evening. Um, you know, I mean, 44 points in one half kind of speaks for itself and, and again I think I mean listen obviously we all know this team is not what it has been in the last however many you know years last couple years to the offensively um, but I think you at least did sort of feel like for a long time there that there was a there was a competitive level that you could count on from Indiana um, that, that just sort of said you weren't kind of going to get wiped out like that and I know they lost 51 to 10 to Ohio State the year they went to the uh, the Gator Bowl. Um, but when you kind of set that performance against the backdrop of the rest of the season, it, it's pretty hard, I think, to find, you know, any real positives, especially when you consider as well that now another quarterback is injured. So, Yeah, what is the latest with Jack Tuttle? I think you're going to learn more later today from uh, Tom Allen, possibly, although things are normally guarded when it comes to health and injuries. But what, what do we know is going on with him, at least at this point? I, I believe it was reported on the television broadcast that it's a foot injury. Um, Allen would, did, did not specify on Saturday night where the injury was, but he did say x-rays were negative, but they were waiting on the results of an MRI. Um, he suggested the possibility of ligament damage. Hmm. Obviously, anytime you hear ligament damage, that's, you know, that's a concern. I mean, it, it, it's that's the sort of thing um, that if it is damaged, if if you do have a ligament issue, obviously it will depend how extensive it is. But it's 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 rare that you can just kind of you know fight through that. Um, and and you think in particular, not that there's any position in football where a foot injury isn't painful, but if you're a quarterback, you need your feet to be able to plant that's where you you begin to get your power on throws and if you can't do that then 
you know, you're kind of in trouble from the jump. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be flippant about this. It's just, it's, it's kind of hard. You know, my colleague, Dustin DePirac wrote on Saturday night, basically like, just where does IU go from here? And uh, the thrust of it is just, there's not an obvious answer to that question at the moment. And, and that's a quarterback that's on offense. That's, that's more broadly. And, and listen, you know, it, it, this season doesn't, let's assume for a moment Indiana kind of can't get this back on the rails enough to make a bowl game, um, which I think at this point is, is likely. Um, that doesn't undo all the good that, that Indiana has achieved in the last, you know, five, six years in terms of, you know, four bowl games in six seasons, improved recruiting, you know, obviously some of the performances we've seen, some of the wins, um, but just for the here and now, you know, and, and for, you know, kind of the immediate term, it, it is hard to, not that it's my job to, to put a positive spin on anything anyway, but it is hard to just kind of look at IU football and find a lot that you feel like you can you can kind of hang your hat on. There, there really isn't a lot right now. I think we also, uh, while we're talking about the QB spot, uh, Donovan McCauley, he was expected to be a redshirt this season uh, and has obviously been called into duty uh, once Penix went out. And now he's going to go from a potential redshirt or one-time redshirt candidate to uh, likely, we assume, the starting quarterback for IU unless Penix can make some sort of return next week. Yes. I mean, at this point, if if Tuttle's out and Penix remains out, it's, it's Donovan McCulley time. He's the only scholarship quarterback left in that scenario. Um, because Dexter Williams tore his ACL during spring practice. And that's, you know, not to absolve Indiana of this, not to say, oh, there's nothing IU could have done or anything like that. But, you know, you are kind of entering sort of the uh, what what can go wrong has gone wrong territory for Indiana a little bit here. Um, you know, just in terms of their injuries, the timing of some of their injuries, um, you know, obviously, even kind of beyond this season, talking about how much time Michael Penix has lost to injury and those sorts of things. So, um, you know, the, the reality, unfortunately for Indiana, is you don't just get to, you know, I, I, I sometimes hear fans say, well, come up with a new plan. You, you know what I mean? Um, sometimes there is no new plan. <laughs> sometimes you just, I, I used this metaphor a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, um, but when people say you have to play the hand you're dealt, um, you know, if you if you want to torture that metaphor through to its conclusion, you lose a lot of hands. You know, you you don't you don't sit down at a card table expecting to win every hand. In fact, you don't sit down at a card table expecting to win probably even half of your hands. And so, you know, Indiana's just in a spot where I'm 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 not sure how many sort of winning scenarios are left. If that makes sense. Yeah, where, where does I know this is a very general question, but where does Indiana football? go from here after Saturday's loss and after the injuries, the Hoosiers now two and five on the season. Next up, they'll take a trip to Maryland. And of course, then it's a trip to Michigan before returning home for a few games. The road maybe gets a little easier as far as the competition level goes, but a couple road games coming up, uh, some injuries looming. I'm not sure things are really going to get much easier for IU football this season. I think this weekend at Maryland, feels a little bit like a barometer in the sense that, I mean, Maryland has, has had some good results this season, um, you know, as, as really some reason for optimism in College Park kind of long-term. But to, to your point, I mean, this is 
at the same time, the first conference opponent Indiana will play this season that's not ranked in the top ten. Um, and that's kind of a reminder. I guess Penn State may not be ranked in the top ten anymore, but they certainly were when Indiana played them, and that's just kind of a reminder of sort of, you know, the again, kind of the insult to injury, a little bit of the kind of what, what, what can go wrong has gone wrong. It's also kind of in a year where Indiana just hasn't seemed to get any reprieve you know, any, any, any opportunity to just take a breath, at least in, in Big Ten play. And, and so this weekend maybe offers that. And, you know, whoever starts at quarterback, whether you've got to drop a new plan for Donovan McCulley or it's Jack Tuttle or whoever, maybe you can get yourself to a place where, or if you can get yourself to a place where you can get a positive result at Maryland, then maybe you start to feel like, okay, get the other side of the Michigan game and see if you can't kind of make a mad dash for bowl eligibility. But, in the in the uh, the short term, if you can't win this weekend, I think it, it does sort of feel like it's time to kind of start thinking about packing it in for 2022. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Zach Ostrom in the Indy Star. Let's get to basketball. The headline with basketball today is a uh, 2023 commit on Friday, Ja'Kai Newton. He plays down in Covington, Georgia. And uh, lots of good reports out there on him. I've never seen him play in person, but he seemed to have a real connection with Mike Woodson. Of course, Coach Woodson, uh, you know, coached down in Atlanta at the Hawks and uh, seemed to to really connect with him right out of the gate. No surprise that Newton comes into the fold, I don't think, on Friday. But a a pickup, a big pickup for IU is Woodson really continuing to recruit strong thus far. Yeah, I mean, and a good start, I think, on 2023. You know, it's it's interesting when this is the time of the year when normally we would be so focused on the current senior class, and it's not like Indiana doesn't still have some irons in the fire there, Noah Clowney being the obvious example. But I think this has also allowed Indiana, that plus the, the change in rules about junior year visits has allowed Indiana to turn the page a little bit. You know, Indiana's already got three guys committed in 2022, a really good class there, one of the top you know, three or four in the in the Big Ten. I haven't checked exactly where the rankings are. I know Michigan's picked up a couple commits lately. Um, but the point is, it, it allows Indiana to start turning that page, and and it is reflective too. Of, you know, we've seen Indiana now go down to Georgia for Caleb Banks. We, we see him as a, a serious contender for Noah Clowney. Um, you know, we, we've seen them recruit other players down there. Now they've they've pulled a four star prospect in 2023 out of the Atlanta area. You know, it's a, a reminder that between Mike Woodson and Yusir Roseman, who, who I think has a relationship with Ja'Kai Newton going back to before Roseman came to Indiana, um, that could be fertile recruiting ground for, for Indiana. And listen, I mean, I know people tend to think of Atlanta as, as, you know, sort of football country, and it is. I won't pretend it's not. But there is talent in the Atlanta area. There is talent in the state of Georgia. I mean, like it's somebody who grew up there. There are good players there if you if you go looking for them if you can build relationships with them um and not just georgia but georgia florida parts of south carolina you know even alabama i mean it's worth pointing out dj white and christian watford have both come from alabama to to bloomington just in what the last 15 years and had you know um borderline i don't want to say all american careers i think dj white wasn't all american i don't think christian watford ever was um but that's the sort of career both of them had and those are both players that came from the south a place where i think probably a lot of indian fans would think well why are we why would we recruit down there we don't need to um but you know every staff's got its connections where it has its connections and, and you know, the, the 
the worst thing you can do is maybe turn away from that because you feel like, well, we shouldn't be recruiting down here or something like that. You just say, no, it, it, you know, this is where, this is where we've got the, the relationships to maybe be able to go in and recruit certain players. And so far for Indiana, the South has been a place where they've had a lot of success. Zach Osterman, the Indy Star, talking some IU basketball now. Zach, you know, uh, talking about health of the football team, let's talk about health of the basketball team for just a moment. This team had to forego its uh, closed scrimmage against Cincinnati a few weeks ago. They've got a game coming up in Louisville against Belmont just days from now. Uh, Any word on – we're assuming that game will be played. I would think it's important that game, that scrimmage be played uh, for the development of this team heading into the regular season, but uh, any word on the health of this team as they get ready for a Belmont secret scrimmage? Nothing beyond what you, you've said there. I mean, and, and obviously just the the rumors that, that tend to float around in terms of those not practicing and things like that. I mean, I think I think I don't think you can help but be a little bit concerned. You know, if, if you're an Indiana fan, that you know we saw a couple players sidelined in the Bahamas and. Now Indiana obviously has not felt strong enough from a depth perspective to, um, you know, to, to compete in one of its two preseason scrimmages. Um, that's obviously a concern. There's no doubt about that. I am interested to see what happens this weekend. I think that that feels like kind of a telling, um, you know, a telling sort of moment a little bit because it's it, – you know, after this weekend, it kind of stops being theoretical anymore. You know, the scrimmage is scheduled for, I think, 10 days before the start of the season. You know, next Tuesday will be one week until the start of the regular season. And if you're at that point, you still got a lot of injury concerns. And that's when I think maybe you start to, to worry that this is something that's really going to bleed over into the year in a really kind of tangible and, and destructive way. Uh, Zach, obviously uh, another opportunity for fans maybe to see a little scrimmage will be the Hoosier Basketball Fan fan Fest that takes place, I believe it's November 6th, the date for that, uh, at Assembly Hall. That may become, who knows, but that may become with IU missing the secret scrimmage against Cincinnati and hoping to get one in this weekend against Belmont, that may become another scrimmage opportunity. It would be an inter-squad scrimmage, obviously, as well, but uh, for this team to get ready for the season. I suppose, you know, I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, I think, I, I don't know if that's something where that can become an environment that is, is controlled enough for anybody to feel like it it would have value or, or if it's just one where it's sort of like, well, you know, this is just a, this is really more of just kind of an event for fans and, and something that's meant to be a little bit more low-key. I mean, my my guess would be it's, it's more likely that from an IU sort of basketball perspective that that's when you just sort of look at and say, you know, it's, it's not going to be, it's not meant to be anything rigorous. Um, you know, if, if I was IU basketball, I guess if, if you had the health to sort of think about it in those terms, I think probably you'd rather be doing sort of, you know, inner squad scrimmages behind closed doors, that kind of thing. Um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And I mean, Lord knows I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I just kind of get the sense that, that sort of setting is probably much more something built for fans um, than it is something that, that you could take a lot of sort of competitive value out of, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no question. Zach, you had a story recently on the IndyStar.com website, uh, Meet the Newcomers, that broke down some of the new additions and pieces that have come to Bloomington uh, since Coach Woodson has been in charge. 
Uh, as we look at the newcomers this year, and you think about obviously Trace Jackson Davis, Race, Race Thompson, and others that are returning to the lineup, when you think about potential starting lineup rotations for this team, and I know there's probably at this point multiple rotations for that, how many newcomers do you expect maybe to be in the starting lineup for the Hoosiers when things get officially underway in November? Well, we saw three in the Bahamas, if you, if you classify Parker Stewart as a newcomer, and, and I, I think at this point you kind of have to. We didn't, you know, we still have yet to see him play in a, a competitive game. Sorry, I have a, a, a sick three-year-old at home with me today, so if you no hear problem. <laughs> rattling in the background. Um, so, I mean, uh, we saw three there. Miller Cobb, David Johnson, and Parker Stewart all started both games in the Bahamas. Um, and we saw, obviously, a lot of Tamar Bates, so I think that you know, there's four right there that I would classify as probably being in the mix. Um, you know, if not a starter, then maybe a key reserve. The other two, the, the big men, Michael Durr, who's obviously been one of those players with injury trouble, so you, you have to probably consider that a little bit in this sort of discussion. And then Logan Duncan, who's obviously still a freshman. You know, those, those are guys that I – it would – it would make a lot more sense to me if, if everybody's kind of given a generally clean bill of health for the season to see one or both of those guys really in more reserve roles. And, and, I mean, in no small part just because of what Indiana has elsewhere. You know, you've got Trace Jackson Davis. You've got Race Thompson. Um, you know what you have in those two players, and, and what you're looking for maybe is, is more depth behind them. And if you want to go small, then you can play a player like Jordan Geronimo or Miller Kopp at the four if you want to go big then you can kind of maybe roll Michael Durr in there, you know, and, and, and just have maybe Trace Jackson Davis at the four at times, or, you know, obviously race Thompson and Michael Durr on the floor together. So my guess is the four that you would see really in contention, again, assuming everyone's healthy, um, would be Xavier Johnson, Tamar Bates, Parker Stewart, and Miller Kopp. I'd, I'd be surprised if at least three of those four aren't pretty consistently in the starting rotation. Um, and then from there, it's about, you know, just kind of maybe does, you know, does Bates force his way in ahead of, I don't know, Parker Stewart as an example, or, you know, does Indiana want to start small in a certain game, that kind of thing. Zach, uh, speaking of the Bahamas trip, you had a report uh, last week, I think it was, that the school spent uh, $363 plus dollars on, uh, 363000 plus dollars on, uh, that trip to the Bahamas, and uh, according to the records you got, a lot of it, if if not all of it, was paid by uh, friends of the program, donors to the program. So a hefty ticket there, but uh, it, it looks like it didn't cost the school much. Yeah, and I, I I sought clarification on this and wasn't able to get any immediately. I think some of that may have come from you know schools build out sort of these VIP packages you know, book your tickets and your flights through the school and you can stay at the hotel and, you know, and, and yada, yada, yada. And maybe there's some sort of fan experience you can meet with the team before a game or something. I don't remember if anything like that happened in the Bahamas, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if some of that sort of paid, you know, paid for by friends of the program, if some of that was, um, you know, basically raised, I guess, is probably the right word through, through those means. Um, but some of it also, you know, uh, might've just been private donations in terms of, you know, I mean, we've seen that Scott Dolson has a very strong relationship with Indiana's booster class with Indiana's donor class. And, um, we've seen that of course, with his ability to secure a, a donation to fund Archie Miller's buyout, 
comparatively, I mean, while this is still a pretty eye-popping price tag, um, although not the, the most money by any means that anybody's spent on the Bahamas tour in recent years, um, this is a lot less than the, what, $10.4 million or whatever it was um, for IU to fire Archie. So, uh, you know, I, I think this is probably reflective, too, a little bit of, of just kind of Scott Dolson's, you know, strength in, in that area in terms of somebody who's obviously got an extensive history in IU's varsity club, which is the fundraising ring, wing of its athletics department, um, has long-term relationships with some of, you know, IU's, most sort of trusted and invested boosters. And I mean, really uh, genuinely we're talking years and years and years and people he served on varsity club boards with, and, you know, people that he's known in not just a professional, but a personal capacity for a very long time. So it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, like I said, it's a big price tag, but it's, it's maybe not, uh, maybe not enormously surprising. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. He's with us Mondays to talk IU football and basketball. Zach, thanks for the uh, chat to open up the week. Absolutely. Thanks so much, as always. All right, we'll head to a commercial break. And when we come back, uh, Chad Gilbert not with us today, but uh, Jake Stingle, the Providence boys soccer coach, joins. And we're going to talk about the Pioneers who are headed back to the Class A soccer state championship game. They will play on Friday evening. And Providence has the chance once again this fall to uh, compete and maybe bring home another state championship to the region. Uh, they were successful when they were there a year ago, and I think you'd call them the favorite, ranked number three, heading into uh, this Friday night state championship game. Coach Stingle is next. Providence soccer will be the topic. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. As we head into the end of the fall sports season, we're talking Providence boys soccer once again as the Pioneers are headed back to the Class A state championship game. It'll be played on Friday night. And right now with us on the show, Jake Stingle, the coach of Providence boys soccer. Coach, first off, congratulations. Another great regular season, and you guys are putting together quite a run through the state tournament so far. Hi, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's been an exciting end of the year for sure. Um, to echo uh, what we did in 2020. Coach, uh, you know, you get to these regional and then semi-state games and everything is normally nip and tuck. At that point, competition is so good. You're normally playing against highly ranked teams with some great prospects that are committed to colleges. And you guys were able to win 4 nothing. which as far as soccer goes, especially at the semi-state round, I would consider that a, a blowout-type victory. You guys really dominated the match basically right out of the gate. Yeah, you know, we're fortunate. We prepare for every game expecting it to be, you know, the, the toughest contest that you're going to play. Um, the boy, you know, credit to the team for sure for doing all the work, finishing the chances that we have. And, uh, you know, we walked out of there with a, with a nice result in the end. Coach, uh, your team is third ranked, number three in Class A soccer. You're going to take on Westview, an 8 p.m. Friday night matchup. What do you know about Westview so far? 
Well, obviously, Westview upset the number one ranked team in Park Tudor in the semi-state, so uh, they're clearly capable of, of playing good soccer and, and definitely are going to be ready for the moment. It's the first time that I'm aware of that they've been to the state finals, so uh, they're going to have a lot of support, and their kids are going to be really ready to go, so our kids are going to have to match certainly match that intensity and uh, and be ready to play, not just be happy we got there. Jake Stingle, Providence Boys Soccer Coach, my guest. All right, bring me up to date, Coach. A Friday night, 8 p.m. state championship game. Is that something new? Uh, normally, aren't they all day Saturday spread out throughout the day? No, they do have two games on Fridays uh, over the last few years since it's gone to the three classes just because there's six games total. And uh, to get them all in, they just need to, to try to have them, you know, spaced out enough on Saturday where in case there's overtime or anything, they can get it all in. Um, and we're fortunate this year to be back at IUPUI. And, and like last year, it was at Fishers High School, but IUPUI obviously is an all-soccer-specific all stadium, so it's going to be really exciting for us. Coach, when you look back at the state championship a year ago, how many returning players do you have that have been this far in the tournament before and have been through some of these big moments? And experience will really be a factor, I would think, heading into this week's championship match. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have five returning starters from last year's team. Um, you know, one one of those starters uh, went left, uh, was out for a season-ending injury about halfway through the season. So we have four returning starters and. Uh, but we have a bench of full of guys that played in the semi-state level, maybe not at the state final game last year, but certainly at the semi-state game last year. So we got a lot of experience, a lot of guys that know what to expect. Um, but it's new every year, and, and that nervousness is always there as it's the last game in the, in the state championship. Coach, like every team that makes a run deep into the playoffs, the state tournament, it seems you can always count on some key experience and also seniors. And I was reading a story from Josh Cook last week. You guys have – four seniors who have really stepped up and led the way and look to close out their career on a big note Friday night. Absolutely. Those guys uh, set a goal at the beginning of the year that, you know, once you get that feeling of winning a state championship, you just never kind of forget what that feeling is like. And that they certainly want to relive that feeling as a senior. Uh, you know, we're led by Billy Hoke, who's our captain and leading scorer. Um, and certainly David Wade as a defender has, has really contributed well over the last two years. And Laszlo Langness, it may not have the, the stats to show it, but he's been a key part of our team as we've come down the stretch here. And, and A.J. being the fourth senior is, is full of support. You know, he's injured, like I said, out for, the, out for the year, but he's full of support, full of knowledge for the, for the younger guys that are stepping in. Talking with Jake Stingle, he's the head voice soccer coach at Providence High School, and they are headed back to a state championship game on Friday night against Westview, 8 p.m., is when that match will begin. Coach, what does it mean for these boys and, and for you as well as the head coach to represent Providence and not just uh, be noted as a strong soccer program in the area or even in the state, but to have this kind of success no matter what happens on Friday night where you reach the state championship game a couple of years in a row. And, and these two seasons, this and last, are not just the only great years that Providence soccer has had, but what does it mean to represent the school in this fashion and really become one of the dominant soccer Soccer programs in Southern Indiana and be recognized across the state. Yeah, it's a great honor to represent the school. We have a lot of fan support, obviously, and really Providence is just a family uh, between our, our parents, our supporters, all the fans, uh, alumni, uh, just a huge family. And, you know, I get a lot of calls and texts from people that maybe were past players that just say, congratulations, you know, keep it going. So it's a, it's a, it's a real honor and it's a real uh, testament to our program and what we've built, you know, over the last 30 years or so. Um, that started, you know, even before that I played there. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to representing them and bringing home a state championship. You don't get a chance to get here too many times. So you definitely need to try to take your chance whenever you get it, um, when things sort of fall your way and when you have the team capable of doing it. 
Coach Stingle, again, you mentioned Westview. Even though you uh, are more highly ranked than them, uh, they knocked off the number one ranked team in their northern semi-state over the weekend. So you expect a real challenge in that ball game. I'm sure that, uh, like coaches in other sports, you're already at work trying to scout and find out what you can about the club you're going to face for the championship on Friday night. Sure. Yeah, they got a lot of um, you know, they got a lot of scoring of, through a couple of different players that we're looking at and trying to dissect what they're going to try to do to attack us. You know, it's nice, nice benefit to be the underdog. We got the benefit from that last year being the number two team and, and playing the defending state championship and or state champion in Argos. So, you know, I think their team's going to have a lot on us in terms of being able to, to relax a little bit. This is the first time they've been there. Their, their fans are already over the moon and they can just play free. And I'm hoping our kids can do the same thing, having been the champion, having been the champion last year to try to win number two this year. No question. Jake Stingle, Providence Boys Soccer Coach. Coach, wanted to have you on and, and uh, congratulate you and your team on a lot of success, and I think that everyone in the Providence family and beyond in southern Indiana will be pulling for you on Friday night. Best of luck and bring another state championship back here to Clark and Floyd Counties. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate it, and we will do our best. All right, Jake Stingle, a good guy, former soccer player at Providence, now the head coach there. And that's just a really special storyline, I think, as well. When uh, you went to school there, you played for the program that you now coach at, and uh, get a chance to have the type of success that Coach Stingle and his club have the last few years has been fantastic. It sounds like a great game, a great match coming up on Friday for Providence, but uh, we'll see if they can't get it done and bring back-to-back Class A soccer championships here back to the area. What a big feat that would be for Providence and their boys' soccer program. A couple other notes to pass along as far as high school sports goes. Again, I said earlier the New Albany-Floyd Central game was at Burkefield in New Albany. It's actually at Floyd Central. That will be the big game on Friday night as far as a battle of local teams go. And you really, uh, with Silver Creek losing to Martinsville over the weekend, uh, Charlestown, a little surprise, they fell to Greensburg. Charlestown had won seven games in a row. Uh, and Greensburg, a solid team. Charlestown with some injuries, and uh, that uh, maybe gave Greensburg the boost in that game. But with Charlestown out, you've got Clarksville still alive in a second-round uh, matchup in Class 2A, or 3A, excuse me, uh, 2A, excuse me, and Providence, uh, they got a win. Football did on the road at Switzerland County on Friday night. So you've got two locals left in 2A, uh, two locals left in 5A, and that's basically where we're at as the high school football season beginning to count down. I'd say our best chance, obviously, for a sectional champion from Clark and Floyd counties locally will come from 5A, the winner of Floyd Central New Albany on Friday night will advance to take on the winner out of the other side of the bracket, which uh, I believe is Bedford, who won on Friday night. I don't have those results in front of me, but uh, that would be the best chance for a local winner, so we'll see how things play out. But uh, lots of sectional action on Friday night. The number of local teams beginning to dwindle down. Uh, Again, Silver Creek, a great regular season. Trey Shane was amazing this year for the Dragons, but once again in the first round of postseason running into uh, a really good team and some really good competition in Martinsville. So I thought we'd have a few more teams left still alive for week two, but we're down to just a handful of, of football teams here from our local area heading into the second week of the football state tournament. And again, we talk about soccer state championships. We uh, know volleyball is moving on with Silver Creek headed to the semi-state on Saturday. We are really beginning to wrap things up as far as the fall goes. 
and the attention will be on girls basketball, which practices officially already underway. You've got some games, I think, early next week, maybe some of the first games of the 21-22 season, and then just uh, a week uh, and a half or, what, two weeks, I guess, from today, the official start of the boys' basketball season with official practices, and you'll have scrimmages almost right out of the gate there, and then some early games that following week uh, heading into Thanksgiving. So we are just about through the fall and just about headed into the winter uh, sports months, but we'll first see uh, what type of success that Providence boys soccer and, of course, Silver Creek volleyball can have as they look to uh, to make some moves here in the state tournament and Providence Boys Soccer in the state championship game. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday edition of the program. Stay with us. We'll be back at 11 o'clock on Tuesday. Uh, have some guests for you there to talk IU basketball, football, and, of course, sports from a local perspective as well. And I hope that you'll join us each and every day this week live here on the Big X at 11. Don't forget, if you missed the live show, you can always find us as a podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts. And really, wherever you listen to podcasts, all you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and uh, you can find us there. Uh, listen at uh, on demand at your convenience, and no matter how you listen to the show, whether it's live here on the Big X weekdays at 11 or via podcast, we are so glad you're with us and so excited to be heading into college and the high school basketball seasons uh, coming up in the future months or future weeks, I should say, as well. That's going to wrap up this Monday program. Back with you Tuesday at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.